Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to the show. Fifth Street Soccer here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I'm Nick Eber along with Kartik Krishnaya. It's great to be with you. Uh, we're going to have a fairly controversial show for you today. Uh, there are three topics that I would like to discuss, and Kartik, you and I have talked about this. And so we're going to talk about the U.S. defeat to Canada in the Nations League. We're going to talk about... Um, We're going to talk about the situation with Al. Uh, what's his first name? Almeida? Pa- Pablo Al- Almeida? Uh, Ma- Ma- uh, Matias Almeida. Yeah, who, Matias uh, Almeida, excuse me. Uh, saying that uh, U.S. players are weak and don't see any competition. And I want to talk. go back to a topic that we spoke about earlier about the racist situation in Bulgaria, uh, the English national team, and the disaster that befell them. And I'm going to give you my stern opinion about what should be done about it uh, rather than the normal platitudes. Are you ready, Kartik? Yeah. So those are three topics. Uh, none of them are particularly easy topics to deal with. Uh, the U.S. national team, obviously, in an absolute meltdown. Uh, I think we're seeing more and more people coming out and expressing the obvious about the development of both players here in the United States and the quality of our domestic league. Uh, And I think those two topics really stand on one side and the situation with England and racism stands on another. So we're going to go to break here. When we come back, we're going to pick up the discussion of England-Bulgaria because I think that's really an important discussion. By the way, we're on Twitter, at Fifth Street Sports. You can find me personally there, at Nick Gieber. You can find Kartik there as well. He's at KKFLA. 737. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Fifth Street Sports Talk. But as always, we would love it if you uh, commented and participated in the show that way. We would like to take this opportunity to welcome, I'm having trouble talking today, our men and women in uniform who are listening around the world on the American Forces Network. We love chatting to you. And if you're listening on one of our digital platforms, whether that's iHeart, TuneIn, or the award-winning SiriusXM app, we welcome you as well. All right, we'll be right back after this. Sex and drugs and rock and roll. All right, welcome back to the show, Fifth Street Soccer. Look, um... During the uh, Euro qualifiers, uh, this last international break, the English national team was subject to absolutely appalling scenes of racism involving a group of supporters in Sofia, the capital of Bulgaria, who were dressed in black, making uh, Zeke Heil Nazi salutes, uh, making monkey sounds towards the players, yelling other racist comments, essentially creating a very unpleasant and hostile environment for the English team to play. Now, the match was stopped twice for this, and according to FIFA rules, the English team had the opportunity at that time to walk off the pitch, which they decided not to execute. <coughs> they ended up beating Bulgaria, what was it, Kartik, like 7-0? Uh, 
Six nil. Yeah, I think it was six nil. Six nil. But the f- situation doesn't change just because the result went the way of the recipient of the racial taunting. The fact of the matter is that what we're seeing is another piece of evidence that racism and bigotry and anti-Semitism and hatred, uh, all the things that brought us the Holocaust, are alive and well in Eastern Europe and uh, not afraid to show their ugly face. Now, the thing that shocks me is that FIFA are prepared to tolerate this to a certain degree, much like they were prepared to tolerate uh, the Iran, the, uh, Iran not allowing women into games. It took it took some poor twenty nine year old woman an act of self immolation before the Iranian government would move on that. But when I look back, Kartik, uh, and let's just put the Iran situation aside for a minute. But let's just take a look at this UEFA situation with uh, Bulgaria. This is qualifying for the Euro Championships. So this is a UEFA event. Kartik, why don't you tell our listeners, in case they don't know, what punishment UEFA meted out to English football and Liverpool Football Club in particular in the wake of Heysel, which, if you don't know was a tragedy in a uh, European football game in which a bunch of supporters were killed when the stadium collapsed around them. Now, the reason, one of the reasons the stadium collapsed around them was because of uh, weight shifting and enormous amounts of fans uh, trying to start a riot there. I mean, trying to start some uh, you know, shenanigans. And so uh, I'm not saying nobody is to blame here, but what I am saying is that when the time came... UEFA came down and banned English teams for five years from European competition and Liverpool Football Club for seven years. Kartik, why why is that same punishment not being meted out to the likes of Bulgaria? Yeah, we're banning the Bulgarian national team from X amount of tournaments going forward. Uh, Well, UEFA doesn't take the racism thing seriously. I remember a few seasons ago when Manchester City played Porto in the Europa League. Manchester City were late to the pitch uh, for the second half. They were fined more than the Porto was for allowing their fans to make monkey chants every time Yaya Torre and Mario Balotelli, and I believe it was Mika Richards, touched the football. So they, they, they have a long history of this, uh, UEFA, and uh, I don't think they take it seriously. I think they, uh, um, they are also in a position – where to be elected president of UEFA, you need the support of uh, of of the uh, of the Eastern European governments. Uh, I mean, the Eastern European FAs, Ukraine, which is arguably the most racist country on the planet. Um, people are talking about Ukraine now a lot because it's Donald Trump scandal. But uh, Ukraine is the I've said before is the most corrupt country in the on the in the uh, on the planet and the most uh, racist country on the planet and i still believe that's probably true bulgaria romania slovakia is a place where anti-semitism has become a uh, uh a, and holocaust denial has become a big part of the the political culture same thing with hungary under Viktor orban uh these are countries nick where um, we know how repentant the Germans and Austrians have been about the Holocaust. These are nations, and now Poland. Poland joins the list with their with their government now, their populist government, where they're embracing anti-Semitism, where they're um, justifying 
their complicity in the Holocaust. They're justifying the sending of Jews to death camps in these countries. And UEFA's officials, because it's one nation, one vote, the, uh, the vote of Bulgaria matters as much as the vote of Germany. The vote of Ukraine vote matters as much as the vote of France. Um, they want to placate Eastern European countries, Serbia, Croatia. Croatia has a horrible history, uh, recent history of racism at football matches and anti-Semitism. Uh, they are, uh, uh, are, are indulging the racists. In fact, they want the support of the racists to stay in power, uh, the officials in UEFA. So uh, I don't see this changing. I think they're more likely to sanction the Western European countries that complain about it than the Eastern European countries that engage in the racist activity. Is it time for UEFA to split into Western Europe and Eastern Europe? Yes, it's been it's long overdue. You know, I, I think um, there has been. I, I remember a match, um, Tommy. It was when ESPN still had the Champions League. Do you uh, you probably remember this, Nick? And you were still doing your your daily World Soccer uh, daily show at the time when Tommy Smith and Derek Ray were calling the match, and Chelsea was playing a team in I think it was in Bulgaria. And every time Essien touched the ball, every time Makaleli touched the ball, I they probably have a couple more uh, players of African descent on Chelsea at the time. I, I, Ashley Cole, uh, you could hear it. You could hear it audibly. Tommy Smith made a big issue about it. And I remember the, the uh, Bulgarian club, or Romanian club, whatever it was, never even being sanctioned by UEFA. So this is, this is a systematic thing. They, they're not serious about it. Uh, they don't care. They, I, I think, they tacitly encourage this kind of behavior. They, the, 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 uh, uh, the racists were also hoping the English players would watch off, walk off the pitch, and uh, England would be forced to forfeit the match. That might have been their hope. I don't believe it would have worked that way. I believe if they walk off for racism and it's found to be there, they don't. Um... It goes the other way, right? Yeah, it's yeah, right. It, it's a forfeit for Bulgaria. Yeah, right. But, um, um, you know, that's the only way you can deal with it, Kartik. You can say, I'm banning you. Um, I'm banning you for five years. Yeah. And, and not just you. I'm banning all your teams from any European competition for five years. But, you know, the president right. of UEFA is, uh, what, Slovenian? He's an Eastern European himself, isn't he? Yeah, and as, that, as, I, as I've said, that's, that's a place. Slovenia is another country with a really uh, rich recent history of racism. Uh, not, not quite as bad as the Slovakias and the Serbias and the Croatias and the Hungaries, but it, it is pretty bad. Look, I mean, this is, this is seen as acceptable, socially acceptable behavior in these countries. That's well, a big part of the problem. It needs to not be socially acceptable in the football that we all love. And if that's how these countries want to be, they can't be a, a part of the family of football nations because we are a family, and that family has people of all color, all creeds, all races, all religions, all backgrounds. That's what makes football the people's game. It's not the Zeke Heiling, Hitler saluting, monkey chanting, subhuman bastards sitting in the stands uh, at, in Sofia in Bulgaria that country, Bulgaria, right now should be banned for five years from European League competition, the Champions League, the Europa League, and also from any international FIFA tournament, period. End of story. If you do that, you might start seeing some changes 
Kartik. They even changed English football by doing this. You never know what could happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the only way it will change is if there's a real ban associated with this. But again, I'm not optimistic that that happens. Well, we can only hope, uh, cross our fingers and hope and put pressure on uh, our elected FIFA or unelected FIFA officials uh, because none of them are ever elected. It's all bribery uh, to make the changes. All right, uh, that's going to wrap this segment up. We're going to step aside, take a break. When we come back, let's talk about some of the situation going on here in the U.S., both with U.S. soccer as, uh, as an entity, the state of soccer in the U.S., and, of course, the U.S. men's national team. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the show. A little Metallica for you uh, here on Fifth Street Soccer on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. Uh, great to be with you. I'm Nick Eber along with Kartik Krishnaya. Kartik, um, I put a tweet out on Twitter because I suppose that's where one really would put a tweet out, isn't it? Uh, in which I, <laughs> uh, in which I uh, basically copied and pasted an article from ESPN. Uh, that was written by, uh, uh, well, by by an ESPN uh, author. But the point of the article was that, and I'll read the headline: U.S. players lack passion and love. From the coach of the San of the San Jose Earthquakes, uh, Matias Almeida, who is an Argentinian, who is talking about uh, it. it <laughs> Well, he's really referring to the U.S. national team, but he's making a larger statement about soccer in this country. Quote, he says, the United States has a great team with a lot of young players, the fabulous talent. Uh, but, I th- but I think in this league, hear me now, this is what he said. I think in this league, and especially with the players who were born here, there is spark that we have to plant within them, and that is the passion and the love of football. I believe they are players that if they had been developed like in other parts of the world, they would have become great players with different training between the ages of 20 and 23, for example. Wondolowski, who is still scoring at his age, would surely have been better than he is now. He's done very well, but I believe he could have done a lot better if he had trained somewhere else. I think U.S. players are open-minded, intelligent, work hard, which is important as well. And then he says... I see a future in Europe. When I came here, he was a player with whom, in whom few believed. Not the directors. The directors didn't believe in him. Didn't believe in him. He'd been at Reno. He hadn't been able to play as he is now. He's a player with personality. Now, what he is talking about is obviously the. Uh, I believe the oldest player on his roster, roster right now, Wondolowski, former U.S. international, uh, who has uh, been a, a good player. But when Almeida says, and I quote. Right now, and remember, this is the coach of the San Jose Earthquakes. Right now, winning, losing, drawing, it's all the same for them. So when that switch gets flipped, they are going to change because the league is growing. The United States then is going to have a great national team because they have talent in each of their lines, many of them enough to play in Europe. Uh, Kartik, 
the coach of the San Jose Earthquakes is essentially saying Major League Soccer doesn't matter whether you win, lose, or draw. And when that changes, we will have better club soccer and better national team. And I know I've been on a rant here, and I know right, I haven't let course, you speak. You know, but, but, the, but, but the bottom line yeah. is, Kartik, um, isn't MLS really just like X number of weeks of exhibition football? Well, I mean, this is a, a guy who obviously has uh, has played a lot for Argentina when he in his playing career had played for River Plate and uh, several teams in, in in Italy. I remember him with Lazio in particular being really good. Uh, Inter also uh, at one point, and and a uh, uh, obviously a, a man who as a manager um, did well with River Plate, uh, did very well with Chivas, uh, and then jumped stunningly to Major League Soccer. A lot of people were shocked by that move, including me. I thought it was a a real um, indication that Major League Soccer was becoming a more serious league to attract a manager like Matias Almeida. Now, a year in, this is the commentary he has about (laughs) about the league and the players. So he realizes the league is not as serious as a footballer and manager of his pedigree would like it to be. I think that's a very damning indictment uh, of this league. Um, this league likes the propaganda when the the foreign player or foreign manager comes and embraces uh, the talking points and becomes a uh, a paid propagandist for Major League Soccer. They do not like when Almeida and Zlatan and others come and tell the truth. Uh, this is very true statement. Again, this was a decorated player, Argentine international. Played several years with big clubs in Italy. Played with River. River managed Chivas. Um, he has probably never seen the lack of professionalism in, in the sense that um, there, there are professional players, there are professional organizations, but the the need to, vi- to win is not there. I, I go back to what Casey Keller said. I mean, he had just come back to MLS uh, or come to MLS from, from uh, Fulham, uh, Casey Keller played his entire professional career prior to, to this founding of the Seattle Sounder or prior to the promotion of the Sounders from USL to MLS. Stop, in, uh, stop, stop, in, stop, stop. Yeah. Don't say that. Okay. They, 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 the were, move, they weren't promoted. They bought promotion. They, yes. They bought yes. promotion. Correct. But he played his entire career in England, Spain, and Germany in those three countries. His entire professional career had been in those three countries. Um, all very serious, the most serious of footballing nations. He comes to MLS, and in year one, he said, guys, we're fine after losses. Like, well, you know, as long as we're in the top six, we'll be in the playoffs. Yep. And he couldn't believe the mentality, and he still applies that in his analysis about the U.S. when we see mistakes from uh, the U.S. national team. So I, I think it's, it's, it's very damning and very telling. Um, this having been said, I think there are some – a change it's a foot in MLS because you're getting more serious managers like Almeida and like others. Uh, obviously, uh, the, his, his great rival from Boca uh, is now managing LA Galaxy, which is San Jose's rivalry. Um, and and uh, they, you have uh, more and more foreign managers and players of, uh, and, and former players of, of, of high pedigree coming to MLS. But that's the mentality among the foreign players. The mentality among the American player really hasn't changed and may not change, and that's a concern. Look, let's apply this 
to the U.S.-born player that is eligible, therefore, to play with the U.S. men's national team. And I, I, I've said this once, I've said it twice, I've said it three times, I've said it five times. On this show, the difference between a player and a world-class player, the difference between playing in Europe and playing in an exhibition league like Major League Soccer is that you are stealing players in the fire of do-or-die competition. They are gladiators fighting with sharpened swords to the death rather than gladiators fighting with nerf swords where the guy that gets hit with a nerf then gets tickled until he laughs. That's the difference. I guarantee you those gladiators that survived to fight the next day are the toughest bastards around. We don't have that, Kartik. We are basically raising a complete generation of professional exhibition soccer players. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a certain professionalism that MLS has that previous leagues in the U.S. have not had. And and I think that there's getting to be a more serious uh, training setup, but it's not there yet. It's not even close to being there. And I think the playoffs and the mentality and the constant expansion and the watering down of the, of the quality of, of the league through expansion uh, has, has, has made matters worse. Uh, just to return to Almeida, Almeida, he uh, played in Italy in Serie A at a time that the league was insanely competitive. Yep. It was the best league in the world at the time. Um, he played for River Plate. Uh, one at a time when they were winning Copa Libertadores, the next time go around when they had just been relegated. And he had to get them promoted. And then he got them promoted. So this is a guy who knows what he's talking about. Okay? I, 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 I saw on social media uh, after these comments the other day how offended so many MLS fans and American soccer fans were. Take it as a hint. All right. The, Car- he's saying this because he, he, he's addressing a serious problem. And this is a man who speaks from experience. Uh, right, but we... yet, American soccer people, they get defensive, they get angry, they start attacking the messenger. You know how it is, Nick. Anyone who, uh, uh, and they'll say, well, right, hold this that is thought. in Argentina, this hold, is in Italy. Yeah, hold yeah. that, hold yeah, that thought. We got to go to, oh, actually, I'm sorry. Continue with that thought. We have an extra two minutes. I, I thought we were done. We actually have two minutes. So go ahead. Sorry yeah. for interrupting. So, so this is a guy that has seen the highest level of the sport. And... Uh, the, the 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 social media pushback was, well, this isn't Italy. This isn't Argentina. We have our own sporting culture. We have our own. Uh, the, he's not. He doesn't understand the American player. I I never understood what that co- that that line meant. Uh, Eric Winalda tells me that line is a is a nativist, uh, xenophobic line. I guess it is. You know, this is an Argentine guy, so let's attack him saying that. Um, this is the defensiveness, Nick, of American soccer fans and elements of the American soccer media is alarming. Whenever there is critiques, critiques like this, is made, this uh, are made, they get very defensive, they get very wow. angry, and they start attacking the messenger and talking about how different and how exceptional we are in this country and how we can't conform to the culture the rest of the world has in this sport. It's really sickening, well, quite frankly. Dave Denholm at Talk Soccer on, um, on Twitter responded to my tweet saying, I'm so tired of this argument. I asked him sincerely, do any of you actually watch MLS? Point me to matches where the players and coaches aren't passionate about winning each match. Heck, I've seen plenty of, plenty of horrid matches 
already in the Premier League. Look, we do have to go to break now. Let's pick this up on the other side and then move along to a discussion about the sorry state of affairs at the U.S. men's national team. All right, you're listening to Fifth Street Soccer on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I'm Nick Eber along with Kartik Krishnaya. Find us on Twitter at Fistry Sports. You can find us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash Fistry Sports Talk. And as soon as the show's over, you can find it on the Believe Podcast Network. So be sure to check that out. All right, we will be right back after this. All right, welcome back. Uh, Nick and Kartik with you here on uh, Fist Street Soccer. That was kind of a quick ending, I thought, there. Sorry about that. Um, we're talking about the situation in MLS uh, with the U.S. national team, with uh, U.S. soccer in general, uh, which has been prompted by an article in ESPN by Matias Almeida, who's a coach of uh, the uh, San Jose Earthquakes and former Argentine international who basically came out and said, MLS is a soft league. Players really don't have anything to play for. Uh, they act like it. This is this is how they develop. This is how they season. And at the end, you get players that really aren't that motivated and passionate to win. That's what he said in a nutshell, Kartik. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. Okay. So I posted that on Twitter. And needless to say, uh, I got a lot of people agreeing with me. And I said, this is because without promotion and relegation, the truth is that most games in Major League Soccer really don't matter. Correct. And I have been absolutely vilified. Uh, Let me read this tweet here from Talk Soccer. Dave Denholm says, replying to me, he says, I'm so tired of this argument. I ask that sincerely. Do any of you actually watch MLS? Point me to matches where the players and coaches weren't passionate about winning each match. Heck, I've seen plenty of horrid matches already in the Premier League this year. And I kind of laugh because Dave Denholm is, uh, I guess, a host of ESPN's Soccer Weekly Radio Show and yeah, the play by. He used to be. Uh, he used to be my co-host. I should, in the interest of full disclosure, say I like Dave a great deal. He used to be my co-host uh, on the American Soccer Show back in the day on with, uh, with on the Graham Bell, uh, yeah. uh, Gary Richards Network, whatever it was called, CSRN right. back in the day. So I, I I know Dave well. I like him a lot. Uh, but he is very. He is one of these guys who gets very defensive about American soccer and gets very defensive about. Um, uh, about uh, MLS and and you know one day wanted to argue with me on the show and told me Freddie Adu was better than Cesc Fabregas when Spain was playing the United States and I, you know I, the, 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 there are things that he says just because he's defensive and he's very passionate about MLS 
sure, there are bad matches in the Premier League. There are bad matches in the Bundesliga. There are bad matches in Serie A. But those matches all matter. Well, yeah, There's exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. So I'm not I'm not <clears throat> judging whether they're good matches or bad matches. There's right. some very entertaining matches in in MLS. That doesn't mean that they're more critical than matches in 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 Serie A or or or, or La Liga. Kartik, what it means is Kartik, that they're just entertaining. Would yeah. you would you or would you not agree that Manchester City played very poorly and had a very bad match against uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers in the Premier League? Yeah, yeah they yeah, did, right? And they lost, right. right? And they dropped three points. And guess right. what? That could very well cost them the title. Correct. Would you or would you not state that Watford have had some very bad results in the league this year? They've played badly at times. Yeah, yes. Very badly at times. And yes. guess what? Guess what? That could very well cost them relegation. Correct. The point here is not that teams have on days or off days or good days or bad days. The point is, is that those days all have consequences. And if you put enough of those days together, those consequences could indeed be dire. Whether it's... They could be fatal. Not making the Champions League, whether it's not not being champion, or it could even mean relegation out of the league. And that's what Dave Denholm doesn't get here. He's happy to get his job as a play-by-play announcer, his free lunch or dinner in the press box, his, uh, you know, his uh, wonderful little uh, cheering section for him wherever he goes. And he's happy to, quite frankly, sing the party line, which is complete, total, and utter bullcrap. And, and, you know, we can say, yes, the quality of Major League Soccer is improved in re- remarkably since 1996. We can say, yes, the stadiums are filling. It's great. We have some truly cool franchises with virulent and rabid supporters that create a good atmosphere. These are all positives, Kartik. I'm being honest here, okay? Right. But you could never say, I'm sorry, that in a league where more than 50% of the teams will make the playoffs at the end of the year, that regular season games are all that important because they're not. No, they're not, and, and and I think the other thing that, uh, to me is is very very telling and disappointing about uh, the way Major League Soccer has evolved is that by constantly expanding, and constantly adding teams, many of them are brought up from the lower divisions, but they still have to make changes and add add add, add players, add 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 uh, teams, uh, add add add. Uh, elements to them you are not allowing teams to settle and have any continuity to where i i you know people tell me how much mls has improved i think there is an improvement in terms of the overall quality of the league if you look at the number of players in the league that are good i'm not sure the best teams in mls now are better than the best teams in mls in the late 90s I I I know that's a dramatic minority opinion but the dc united teams and the la galaxy teams of the late 90s i think might beat uh, or at least be very competitive with the LAFC the, uh, and Atlanta mean, FC team. The Carlos, Atlanta, whatever, the Carlos Ruiz uh, LA Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. I think those teams, because they didn't dilute the league every year through expansion. And those te- those teams played together for a number of years. Think about those DC United teams. 
Um, they, they, they played together with Jaime Moreno and Marco Echeverri and Eddie Pope uh, and, 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 and all the rest of them. They, uh, Tony Sane, et cetera. They played together for a number of years. I think that uh, this is a lot of propaganda because the league is into making money and selling expansion fees. Uh, every year, we're, we're going to have another new expansion team on Monday in Sacramento that uh, they're, they're, they're shoveling this nonsense. We see the effect on the U.S. men's national team. Uh, I, I think we maybe want to move on to that issue now yeah. and, and uh, realize that all of this is being done for economic reasons, for the well, benefit of Soccer United Marketing, the U.S. Soccer Federation, and uh, Major League Soccer, their bottom lines. Well, see, there I is wanna... no tangible football benefit to a lot to a lot of what they're doing today. So I would totally agree with disagree with Dave Denholm. I think he is uh, singing through singing the party line, and uh, I don't appreciate it. And I will respond to him likewise on Twitter. However, having said that, uh, let's move on to the U.S. Men's National Team, who lose two nothing to Canada in the Nations League. Um, this is not a yeah. problem with the manager. The manager has a system. The problem is the managers don't have play- doesn't have players of good enough quality to execute the system he's playing. So at some point, it might be the manager's problem. Maybe he needs a plan B. Maybe he needs to develop. What shocked me about this game is how poorly some of the, quote, much vaunted players on the U.S. national team actually played. And what who comes to mind first and foremost is the guy actually I've been defending at Chelsea, Christian Pulisic. Yeah, he he was really poor. He got hauled off after about sixty minutes. There's some reports that he's uh, that he was feeling ill, but I also I just think that he he's he, he's in a bad place now with, with his uh, club career on the rocks at Chelsea. He's got to fight his way back into that squad, and it's affecting his his international uh, uh, performance. Uh, that having been said, um, at both Dortmund and now at Chelsea, he had far better teammates, far better quality teammates to play with. Uh, than he currently has at uh, at uh, Manchester, uh, sorry, at the United States uh, men's national team. So uh, it also might be a situation where he's not used to playing with such poor players Agree. Uh, around him, guys that don't move properly off the ball. By the way, don't, I, don't I give am service, etc. I am actually a Pulisic fan, as as you know on this show. I mean, I've said this many right. times. I think he's got a lot of great talent, and and I think as as Almeida said, uh, you know, it, it's a the question is when he was referring to Wondolowski as as a young player, you know, if he'd if he'd gone abroad, uh, where would he be? Now Pulisic has gone abroad, and so I'm, I think we just need to step back and back off the kid, let him develop. So, uh, you know, I think he's got good talent. He's not there now, but you're right. There's no one supporting him on that U.S. men's national team. Uh, Kartik, I mean, the solution isn't you're just suddenly going to find a pool of great players playing somewhere like Jurgen Klinsmann tried to find. Uh, the solution is we've got to take most of our young American players and, and forge them in the forge their steel in the fire of competition rather than the fire of AYSO where everyone plays and gets a trophy and uh, I'm talking about MLS which is the AYSO of professional soccer I'm sorry I I come right back to it I come back to it again and yeah we do have players playing abroad for sure and they are on the US men's national team Uh, they are either very young or they are just of not great quality not every player that plays in Europe is a great quality player let's be honest right yeah, I, I think there's, there's been this myth also among American fans who don't watch the game in Europe that closely that if a guy is American and he's playing at a European club, he must be really good. Um, there is also something culturally wrong in the U.S. system where a guy like DeAndre Yedlin, uh, I talked about this today with, with, with Neil Blackman of the Yanks are coming, uh, 
after he'd been on Grant Wall's Planet Football podcast, we talked about Yedlin. Why is it that Yedlin has now consistently been better for Newcastle for about three yes. years than he's been for, oh my for God. the U.S.? Oh, wasn't he incredible? And he was a new, one of Newcastle's best players, uh, Not obviously the week right before the international break. Yeah, against United, yeah. yeah. And was awful last night. And I, I again said to Neil, I think it's a, a byproduct of one, he's playing with better players at Newcastle. He's got a, uh, but two, he is more comfortable maybe culturally, maybe it's a happier dressing room, although it's hard to believe we're saying that about Newcastle and Mike Ashley's own team. But there's something wrong in the dressing room, I think, when a lot of these guys come in. Uh, And the MLS contingent, I see those guys playing better uh, in MLS. Although, quite frankly, MLS, if you look at it now, uh, the the, the star players in MLS, there's maybe one American, one or two Americans on that list. Zardes and Wondolowski, who you mentioned earlier, is not even in the national team anymore. So uh, most of the stars in MLS are foreign players. Um, I think Greg Berhalter has a tough decision to make now. He's not a pragmatist. Uh, as I've talked to a lot of people who know him, he's an ideologue. He's a guy who believes very strongly in his system passing football, really kind of a Dutch-influenced system, an Ajax-influenced system. The U.S. don't have the technical players that the Dutch have or that Ajax have. I don't think the U.S. have the, the, the kind of players that can play like Ajax. They're just not good enough. So he has to make a decision whether he just goes ahead and, and, and packs it in and says, okay, this is what the U.S. is. Bad technical players, let's just play defensively. Let's hoof the ball forward. Let's rely on set pieces. Or is he going to try and persist with this system, which is liable to get him the sack at some point? Well, uh, but maybe it's better for American soccer long term yes. to start playing this way. Yes, 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 yes. I totally agree with you right there. You've got to set the system, set the style, set the character of the U.S. national yeah. team, and you've got to let the players out there rise to the system. I support Greg Berhalter. I think he's absolutely correct. I think this is when you have to be an ideologue. I think this is yeah. when you have to. We have to accept we will have some down cycles until the system is entrenched and players play to the system. When we get there, Kartik, when we reach that point, then it will be good and worthwhile, but there's still a lot more pain ahead. Getting rid of the manager at this point isn't going to solve the problem. Let, let me say something else about this, which I think is important. As people say, oh, maybe we should abandon Burhalter's very Ajax uh, Barcelona-influenced uh, Dutch system and go back to the way we play as Americans, which is to defend and run hard and uh, huff-hoof the ball forward and, and, and rely on set pieces. Maybe our guys aren't good enough to do that anymore because I don't think we right. have good defenders. I don't think we have uh, enough creative, quick players like Landon Donovan and Clint Dempsey anymore or even the Eddie Lewis's and the DeMarcus Beasley's to break down teams on the counterattack or to win uh, headers on set pieces like we used to. I think we almost have to develop a style of play which um, which works into the, into the technical aspects of the game where we're able to control possession in the future to be successful. So there are a lot of people who say, oh, we should abandon Burhalter's plan and go back to the way we used to play. But I think part of the brilliance of what Burhalter is trying to do is recognizing the way we used to play is a 1980s, 1990s relic. You notice even England has gotten away from that. You just can't win in football playing that way anymore. Well said, Kartik. Beautifully put. Totally agree. What's it mean? It means we as fans of the game, we as journalists, we as pundits, we as people that cover the game, we need to back off, back off guys like Pulisic, back off Greg Berhalter, let them set the standard, 
and let our young players rise to it. All right, we've got to go to break. Or when we come back, we'll wrap it all up here on Fifth Street Soccer. All right, you're back with us here on Fifth Street Soccer. Nick Eber and Kartik Krishnayo. Just a few minutes left on the show. Um, Kartik, we've had a heated discussion about MLS, about the U.S. men's national team, about Greg Berhalter. Final thought. Yeah, I think Berhalter has the right idea, which is to bring the U.S. into the 21st century, playing good passing football, uh, mimicking the principles that have made the Dutch one of the world powers. Uh very lot of Dutch influence on, on Berhalter. I was talking to someone today about this, uh, that he's a very Dutch in his mindset. He played most of his career in the Netherlands. Uh, but uh, there is a lack of understanding among American soccer fans and American soccer media. They don't necessarily understand what they're watching. They're impatient. Uh, they overrate the quality of American players constantly. So they think that we should be playing better for, we should be getting better results. Uh, they don't, they don't understand what they're watching, so they don't know what good football looks like in a lot of cases. So I think a lot of the critics of Greg Berhalter, Nick, don't know what they're talking about, quite frankly. And I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, it's And I don't care yeah. what they have to say uh, also, I'm going to say. Well, it's interesting Sorry, that you ahead. bring that up and say that. I, I do tend to agree with you. Look, it's the national team. So, you know, we, we all want them to win. We all want them to succeed. And we all want to think the absolute best of them. Uh, the fact is that they're, they're poor. They're, they're, they're not even poor. They're, they're, well, they're not mediocre. They're poor. They're in a rebuilding cycle, one that's going to go on perhaps as many as eight or ten years. And it's going to take time. However, we know the strength of the country. We know the depth of the country. And if we have a desire and we back the guy that we pick to lead this team, uh, give it time. I'm not saying Berhold is going to be there for ten years. Let him put the system in. Let him set the expectations for system and style, and then let the rest of the team and the young talent out there that's swelling out there and swirling in talent land uh, come to bear fruit. All right, I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, We are with you each and every weeknight from 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, right here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow with our Premier League preview. Don't want to miss it. Until then, have an absolutely wonderful evening. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.